Just a note before we start, our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Sierra. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about healthy relationships. Every relationship is unique and they are all different, Um, but we want to set the groundwork today to talk about what all relationships, all healthy relationships, should have in common. Yeah, especially when we often have conversations around healthy and unhealthy relationships. People typically focus just on those red flags or the things that you would not want to see in a relationship. We don't often highlight the good things or the things that you would like to see. So, of course, healthy relationships are what our goal is, especially in doing this podcast. We want everybody who's listening to be able to have the resources and the tools that they need to build their own healthy relationships. Um, however, it is important to realize that how we grow up and the, the media that we watch or hear or whatever that looks like, that shapes our relationships and how we view them and how we expect them to be in a way that can kind of be dangerous for how we're setting ourselves up. Our society doesn't really do a great job of teaching the fundamentals of healthy relationships. So by the time that we come in, you know, as prevention educators, or by the time that we are here doing this podcast, essentially, we're helping people to unlearn some of the things that they've already learned about what relationships look like. And a lot of times, they're wrong. Yeah, especially when you consider that generally when we're getting to have these conversations with them, it's in middle school or high school. So by that point, they've had 13 years of exposure to how relationships look in media or from what they've been told by other people. So we're having to work towards, like you said, that unlearning process for them because they have 13 years to solidify how they view relationships or what things they're expecting to have in a relationship. And sometimes those aren't the greatest. Honestly, I think it's time that we start to hold media accountable for, you know, what it's portraying to us when it comes to relationships. For example, you see children growing up watching Disney movies and seeing all these fairy tales about princes and princesses and happy endings and all of that kind of stuff, but that's really not the way that the world works. And that goes off and teaches kids to pursue those TV-like relationships. And then as they grow up, that's what they continue to do. And of course... For all of us who are much older than children, um, we can tell that the things that we watch definitely don't portray healthy relationships, but still pursue those relationships and wait for things to get better like they did in the Disney movies. And and it also ends up being when you have those Disney relationships is they either start out really bad, Mm -hmm. like Belle and Beast, or they don't really have any problems throughout their entire relationship. So then when you start to get into into relationships and you start having those arguments or your disagreements like you're inevitably going to have in a relationship, it starts to seem like, oh, this is just bad. This is not something that we're supposed to have. We're not supposed to argue. We're not supposed to have these differences when really 
a lot of your relationship is going to be having to work on those differences that you have in a effective manner instead of turning everything into a disagreement or an argument being able to communicate effectively and figure out where that compromise needs to be right the the truth of the matter is that relationships are hard work and when we're raising kids to think about relationships if we're not telling them the truth that relationships take work and relationships take you know persistence and communication then they grow up thinking that those fairy tale relationships are it and it should just magically happen um, which really kind of sets our kids up for failure so that's why it's important for us to be talking about healthy relationships what they look like and what goes into them and it always ends up being like an area of discussion a lot of times too with my students is that we don't always know how to communicate effectively because we're worried about coming off as like we're being combative or that they just don't know how to use the right words to communicate in that relationship and express how they're feeling. So then let's talk about some of the ways that we can ensure that we are having healthy communication in our relationships. Well, speaking to Sean's point about conversations becoming um, combative, one important thing is to realize that there's a difference between responding and reacting to different situations and different conversations. So it's important to know that you can take time and think about what it is that you want to say instead of just blurting and maybe even saying something that you don't mean or making the situation worse. Yeah, and it's fine to leave the room and cool down so that way you're not saying things in that heat of the moment and you're actually able to figure out the words that you want to use and articulate your point without making it come off as bad or making it sound like you're just trying to say things that are going to hurt that other person. People fight differently though and I think that this walking away can be difficult for some people because there are people that want to figure things out right now in this moment we're going to fight through this, we're going to figure it out. And then there are people that do need to think. And so with positive communication in relationships, that's where one person can say, hey, I'm willing to talk about this, but I need a 10-minute break right now, right? And the other person being able to see, understand, and respect the other person's wishes. Yeah. Like you said, everyone's going to communicate differently, and that's probably going to be a part of that communicating in the relationship is figuring out how each other communicates. I think it's hard to comprehend the whole communication topic, honestly, because it's so simple. And I think that it's important to communicate how you communicate, which sounds kind of weird just to say it like that, but you need to let your partner or partners know how you respond to certain situations. That way, they're not pressuring you, like Ali was talking about, they're not pressuring you to make those split decisions. Right. And equally important as understanding how your partner communicates in times of stress is knowing how your partner needs to feel loved. One of the things that we want to talk about today is the five love languages, um, which are really important. So Dr. Gary Chapman is the author of the book, The Five Love Languages, and this is a really helpful tool to figure out what it is that you need as a partner in a relationship and what it is that your partner needs from you. Yeah, so because we all receive and give love differently, do you guys want to just 
jump in and talk about what those different love languages are? Sure. So the first one that we'll talk about is receiving gifts. So that's a love language that some people have that to them it says my partner was thinking about me. And it's also important to understand too that when it comes to giving and receiving gifts, that doesn't have to be a huge grand gesture. It can literally be your partner was driving down the road and saw a flower that he thought or she thought that maybe you would really like stopped and picked it for you and then gave it to you. It doesn't have to be something extravagant by any means, but just a little something that shows that you're thinking about each other. The second love language uh, that we're going to talk about is words of affirmation. Um, This love language is basically using words to build the other person up. So for example, saying, hey, thanks for taking out the garbage or um, yesterday when you listened to me when I was having a bad day, that meant a lot to me. And really affirming that that person has value to you with your words. Acts of service is another one that we'll talk about. Um, So acts of service is just what it sounds like. It's when your partner does something for you that they know that you'll like or that you'll appreciate. So that could be cooking you a meal or um, helping to wash dishes afterwards or even helping you with a project that you have going on. Um, and it's just a way to make things easier on you and show that that's what, how they want to help you or that's how they want to show love to you. The fourth love language is quality time, um, which is giving your partner undivided attention. So spending really good quality time with your partner, right? So this isn't time that's spent on each other's phones or watching a movie, but it's maybe sitting down to dinner and talking about your day or going for a walk every night and just really being present with each other. And then finally, the fifth one that we'll talk about is physical touch. So this is a love language that people feel the most love from their partner when they have some sort of physical interaction with them, whether that's just holding hands, hugging, kissing, or even sexual intercourse, all of it is that physical connection between one another. Yeah, and these love languages aren't always going to be black and white either. Because while someone's main love language might be physical touch, they may also really benefit from those acts of service or those words of affirmation. Like I know for myself, words of affirmation is a really big one for me, but quality time is also really up there. It's important to know what your love language or love languages are, but it's also important to know that they can change. So just like Sean said, with his top ones being words of affirmation and quality time, that might change for him, you know, the next time that he takes the love languages quiz. For example, my top love languages currently are pretty much tied between quality time, words of affirmation, and physical touch, but when I've taken the quiz previously... I would have physical touch at the top and then quality time not near it or vice versa. So it's just, it's important to know that these things aren't stagnant and they change just like you change as a person. And knowing how your partner gives and receives love is really important because you can understand them better. So for example, my fiance and I have completely different love languages. So once we took this quiz together and I realized that his primary love language is acts of service, everything made more sense to me. 
acts of service is actually pretty low on my love language list. And so I, unbeknownst to both of us, was expecting him to have these big, long poems of love telling me how much he appreciates me. Meanwhile, he was showing me that he loves me by taking out the garbage and by doing the dishes and by cleaning up the house for me. And so there were times where I got frustrated thinking, well, you know, he's not telling me that he loves me like this, but he was. He was telling me with acts of service um, and vice versa. You know, my my primary love language is words of affirmation. They're nice for him, but they're not necessary. He would prefer that I make the bed in the morning or keep up with the laundry or little things around the house that show, hey, I know that you had a rough day at work and, you know, I'm here to make things easier for you. Yeah, and I think it's kind of cool, too, when you look at, when you start to understand love languages, you can start seeing them in other people as well. So it doesn't have to just be their own dating relationships. So, like, my dad, I know my dad doesn't use words of affirmation very often in terms of like how he expresses love for people it's like i hardly ever hear my dad say like he loves me and like stuff like that which i know he does because i know acts of service is really high up there for my dad so i know if my house has something going on there's a problem with it he'll be over immediately to help me fix it without even having me having to ask him more than once or he's gone over to my house before even when i wasn't home to like fix my toilet when there was a problem with it so once we start being able to understand the love languages and how other people express them, it makes it so we can start actually feeling and understanding how other people do love us. And while love languages are a great way to understand how our partners receive love and how we give love, it's also really important to understand what boundaries our partners may have and what boundaries we have so that when we're loving our partners and they're loving us, they're able to do so in a way that makes us feel the most comfortable and makes them feel the most comfortable. Having boundaries in relationships is a really crucial step to safety in relationships and um, feeling safe with one another, which we believe everybody has the right to have in a relationship. We talked about boundaries a little bit in our sexual violence episode, and we talked about it in terms of consent. And so while consent and boundaries absolutely apply to sexual situations, they also apply to the everyday kind of -of run-of-the-mill stuff that you might experience in a relationship. The really cool thing about boundaries is that you get to choose what your boundaries are. And there's a lot of them that you can choose to have in relationships. And a lot of them are things that you don't necessarily think about as being boundaries. For example, if you want to be able to go out with your friends without your partner there, you can set that boundary for your partner and let them know that you want your alone time to just be with your friends, and that's okay. And another boundary that you might set for your relationship is not sharing passwords to your email or social media or the passcode to your phone or your location on Snap Maps or whatever else that you might use it's okay to keep those things separate and private to yourself. Yeah, I'll have a lot of students who will like, sometimes say things like, well, why can't my partner let me go through their phone? If they don't have anything to hide, they should be okay with it. Maybe they just don't want you to go through their personal stuff. It's like, you don't have to give your partners access to your phone. It's important to remember in relationships that first and foremost, you have your interests at heart. And while we love our partners and we want to make them feel respected and safe, 
we have a duty to make ourselves feel respected and safe first. And so a lot of times I think that's where these boundaries come into play, right? Is to say, um, this is something that's important to me. And while I hear that you're saying something different, I have to advocate for myself first. So we're usually pretty good at recognizing what our boundaries are, or at least what we want to be enforcing, but we're not so great at respecting what other people's boundaries are. So for example, this is something that you hear very commonly amongst all populations. It's, if you really loved me, you'd give me the passcode to your phone, or if you really trusted me, you would send me your location, or, you know, all of these different things, and that's not love. That's manipulation. In this case, the true measure of love is being able to respect the other person's boundaries. So we spend a lot of time talking about communication and boundaries, and it's really because we believe these two things to be like the base foundation for what you're going to want to expect in a relationship, because a lot of those things stem from having those communication skills and setting those boundaries. So let's talk about what some of those green flags might be then in a relationship. One green flag to think about is independence. So this is something where all parties in the relationship are able to still uphold their own sense of individuality. They still have their own taste in music. They'll still have their own movies and shows that they'll like to watch. They'll still have, you know, their certain way to do their hair, makeup, or wear whatever clothes makes them feel most comfortable and most like themselves. And basically, each person will have the space to be themselves, both inside and outside of that relationship. Equality in a relationship is also a really good sign. And this is when the relationship feels balanced, when both people are putting in equal amounts of effort. So, for example, one person isn't, you know, caring more about the health of the relationship than the other, or one person isn't doing all of the communicating and the other one is relying on them. So with equality, it leads to both partners feeling like they are equally as invested in the relationship. And like I alluded to earlier um, with respect is that a lot of times when we get into a relationship, we're not going to have the exact same beliefs or mindset about a lot of stuff in our relationships. But it's important that when we are in a relationship with somebody that we are respecting those differences and not belittling them or putting them down because of it or not feeling like we have to change for them or they have to change for us. Like, for example, with a previous ex of mine, we had different beliefs and faith. But it never turned into an argument of where, like, we needed, one of us needed to agree with the other person. We were able to respectfully communicate about our faith beliefs and were able to more or less come to a compromise on, hey, I'm probably not going to go to church with you every Sunday, but, like, if you really want me to, I would go to Mass. Just probably not every Sunday, especially because I really like sleeping in in churches super (laughs) early. So, So it really ended up being... We're able to communicate effectively to respect each other's differences, and we were able to come to a point where we were able to compromise. Another green flag in healthy relationships is that you have fun with the person and that you genuinely enjoy spending time with them. I mean, that's part of the reason that we have relationships is to surround ourselves with people that we enjoy. And part of that too is going to be enjoying when good things happen to our partner, like If they come home and like, hey, babe, I got a race today. Like, oh, hell yeah, that's awesome. Way to go. You're a champion. Instead of being like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, This thing also happened to me. 
So we're not belittling that person's accomplishments and we're genuinely enjoying when good things do happen to our partner. So with this list of everything that we've talked about from trust and respect to having fun with each other to, you know, encouraging each other's accomplishments, no matter how big or small, we want you to take away that these things are really great key takeaways um, in knowing whether or not a relationship is genuinely healthy. But we also want you to know that these are not the only signs of healthy relationships. Just like a lot of the lists that we've given you in our podcast, this one's not exhaustive either. It's one of those things where you can trust your own feelings, and if it makes you feel good, then chances are it's probably a green flag. And in being able to identify the green flags in relationships, we can also more easily sift through the pictures of relationships in media, which we've already talked about, right? And when we're able to do that, we can kind of unlearn some of those behaviors and expectations of relationships that we've had to learn. And with all of that being said, I think this brings us to a pretty good stopping point for today. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about relationships in the media in our next episode. So be looking forward to that. So in the meantime, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to email them to touchysubjectspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to follow us on Facebook at Touchy Subjects Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Touchy Subs Pod to keep up to date with everything that we have going on. Thank you all for listening to this episode and feel free to join us in our next one. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.